Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And for one last time, welcome to Paradise Island. This is Under Consultation, a huge episode-by-episode podcast guide through the UK's greatest video game challenge TV show, Games Master. I am one of your hosts, Luke Owen, and I suggest that you hold your podcast-playing device and firmly, but gently, squeeze as much enjoyment out of this as you possibly can. And the man that has been upstaging Luke Owen for the past 179 episodes, I am Ash Versus. This final episode of Games Master aired on the 3rd of February 1998. FIFA 98 holds on to the top spot of the video game charts, Titanic is still top of the UK box office, and Usher is our final top of the pops with You Make Me Wanna. You make me wanna leave that song exactly where it lies and talk about something more important because Luke, 179 episodes later, through a pandemic, through after a pandemic, then a bit more of a pandemic, and now back to today, we're back where it all started. We are sat in your redacted workplace studio, 
which is exactly not only where we were for Series 1 Episode 1, but Series 1 Episode 1 Pilot Episode. That's right, yeah, the original version of this show before we released the actual version that was actually then put out. The one where we talked about John Major, that was a f***ing mistake. It certainly was, yeah. We're, we're finding our feet. We're working out what it was. But yeah, we're recording this in person, which is, this is the first episode we've recorded in person since, I think, it's Season 2 Episode 2. Is the last episode we recorded in person. Five is one of the first ones we did with Mafu as the uh, special guest. So it's like four or five was like the first ones we did in the pandemic era. I probably talked to him about the fact he signed my helmet. That's right. I believe that is exactly what you talked about. Yeah. You may have gathered this is not going to be a normal episode of the podcast because let's be honest, this is not a normal episode of Games Master. This episode's weird. Yeah. You know, I, I, it's it's so funny. There's there's a video package that you get later on. Uh, about the games master himself where i talked about in uh series 5 episode 15 the other clip show oh i could have sworn that i saw this video in the final episode of games master i must completely have misremembered that because i could have sworn it was it actually was in this episode here no it's in both the video packages the majority of the video packages that are in this are the same as the ones that aired in the last clip show just with a handful of like different sprinkles here and there, slightly different edits. I literally watched them side by side and did frame by frame comparisons to see what differences there were between the video packages. You went full Zapruder film <laughs> on Games Master. I was like, back and to the left. <laughs> this one doesn't have Auntie Marisha in it. Back and to the left. You can see the moment when Dave Perry's head exploded. <laughs> yes, that does make an appearance in here. Oh, Boy, howdy, doesn't it? Also, last thing it was maybe, you know, as we kind of you know set this whole episode up, uh, we're ending with Titanic and Usher, our first number ones, back when we were in person and filming episode one. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey and Bohemian Rhapsody. Excellent! I know we talked about the idea of going back and doing season one again as we visited, and I'm thinking... Actually, yeah, because it means we get to talk about those <laughs> movies and music again. In that, we also get Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Do you remember, like, we did that first... I remember you and I sitting down when we looked at like the first 10 episodes. We'd be like, there are some mad old movies at the top of the box office that we get to talk about. Maybe it says a lot about how the 90s changed, that things have gotten boring <laughs> as we've gone further on. You can almost plot the progression of the Hollywood blockbuster becoming the tentpole movie thing of studios and stuff and like less and less interesting movies again to the top of the box office and it's just the same ones that are in America but you just get them three months later. The event movies started in the 1990s. I mean they existed before then but the fact that studios would hang their hats on having two or three event movies a year one for the spring one for the summer, one for the fall. We've seen that happen. And it kind of started with Jurassic Park. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. our first massive blockbuster. Well, we talked about it with Starship Troopers. That idea of, here are all of our event movies, and this is the next event movie that we're going to be releasing within this time frame. And it's going to be as successful as all of our other events movies, because all of our events movies are successful. Not always. Not always. Uh, but yeah, fun. Though. It was Bill and Ted's bogus journey that kicked things off, and we end with the biggest movie of all time in Titanic. Until his next one, with the Smurfs. <laughs> Flying animals. That's right, folks. How nice of it.
So the show opens with that same one that opened the Series 5 clip show, which is all of the intros to Games Master cut together. Only, of course, this one's got six and seven in there as well. But I do like that final thing of all forms of the Games Master showing up from the, the primitive done on the Amiga days to the Teletubbies parody that he ends up as. It's like so much of this episode, it's it's a very emotional thing to watch, uh, particularly, I guess, with the context that we now have from the journey we've taken over the past three years. I like as well the first three of them, and actually even four, you can see how they kind of nicely seem together music-wise because they all follow the same pattern. As soon as you get to five and six, it's like, no, jar, quickly, jar. And it's just like, these are different now. These are different now. And then we just get hard cut. There is a kid's screaming SFX of just like, hey, and then nope, cut. Dominic Diamond is just on the set and welcoming us to the last episode in Games Master history. Hello, viewers, and welcome to the last Games Master in the history of the world. Yes, after seven years of games-related hijinks, we are finally hanging up our pants for good. So I'd advise you to uh, hold your television set gently but firmly and squeeze as much enjoyment as possible out of the next 24 minutes. And this is an episode that I've seen a lot because this came as a DVD with Games Master magazine. It's lovely that that's been preserved like that and... I think some of the Games Master upscaling projects have used it as their basis because they're starting from the crispiest version possible. Yeah, so I remember watching this, you know, I had my memories of Games Master, but having this like really like, oh, I don't remember a lot of this because there's a lot of episodes of Games Master. We talked about all of them, Ash. There's, there's a lot of them. There's more than you'd think. Particularly because we've also done more episodes than there are episodes of Games Master. But looking at this, there are so many times in these clip packages we get where I'm just like, oh, yeah. Oh, I'd forgotten that. Yeah. Just just seeing like various bits and pieces, various gimmicks, various skits, various contenders that were memorable for one reason or another. Entries in the consultation zone that were memorable for, for one reason or another. I did love that when Don was saying about gently squeezing, caressing your television, he says 24 minutes. He doesn't want us to get any enjoyment out of the commercial break. No. <laughs> that's there to sell products. That's not there for enjoying. That's there for hard commerce. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the, the final and most lucrative ad break in the history of TV, I believe. <laughs> Never mind the Super Bowl <laughs> or the Cup Finals. Now, when normal shows end, they invariably have a review of the best moments from their history. We've never been a normal show. So instead, we're going to kick off with a look at some of the worst moments from Games Master's past in a section we're calling, Was That Really a Good Idea? Tonight's special guest is none other than Robocop. And of course, we start with Robert the Cop. Oh, Robocop here. Like, they seem to think this was on the show. I know they know that they recorded it. They know that it exists. They know they've got the rushes for it. But in their mind's eye, this did actually make it to air because they're like, this is one of the worst moments of the TV show. And I suppose for Dominic Diamond, it is because he hates this moment so much because he has said in the lead up to it, this is a bad idea and then was proven correct. But it wasn't on the show and it's in the VHS, but it's cut from the VHS of the Gore special as well. And I love that of the rushes they have, and even though he was on set presenting it, they cut to Dominic when Robocop's coming out. And it is 
more clear than it's ever been on his face how much he hates this moment. Yeah, because in the Gore special, he has that moment where he's like, and then it has that voice everywhere. It's like, hold on, hold on, cut all of this. No, we're not having this. We're going to go to this feature instead or, or whatever it was. It, this is brought up in the book and everything. And I think they find that there are some moments of like misremembering here and there. Because I remember when we interviewed him, I think the series four interview we did with him, where he said that, you know, oh, we got into series five and that's when we started doing the news. And you and I mentioned, I was like, well, you know, you start doing the news in series four. Uh, it's just not in episode one. You start doing it from episode two onwards. And he was like, did we? No, I'm pretty sure we started doing it from series five onwards because that's when it really became a, a good show. And you and I were going like, I've got the video right here. At episode two, you're doing the news and it becomes a, a weekly feature. It's really awkward when you find yourself correcting kind of like the patron saint of this podcast that's what i mean about this moment here it's just like in their head it's like no this definitely was in that series four christmas special with all the celebrities it was definitely on air i suppose it was on the video release they're probably assuming that most of the hardcore audience had either seen or bought that video release at that point in time yeah i think so as well i mean this is our only moment from the gore special that makes it into the the best of i suppose in a way that's because atari aren't paying the bills anymore that's it yeah i mean i wrote in my notes here dom says that he fought for this not to air and he lost but he also won because this did not make it to air somewhere there is a crime being committed somewhere there is a crime being committed indeed because <laughs> that voice is not in the vhs they, they just cut off there, but it's a shame that we had, we finally get to see somewhere there is a crime being committed. It sounds nothing like any version of Robocop. It doesn't sound like the Weller Robocop. It doesn't sound like the poor schmuck from Robocop 3. It doesn't sound like the animated Robocop. It doesn't sound like the Prime Directives Robocop. There is no Robocop. It doesn't sound like the remake Robocop. So this, this is literal Robert Cop. This is Robert the Cop. So, old people everywhere, put out the cat and prepare that letter of complaint as we meet the executioner. It's not just professionals either. Every year I'm amazed by what the general public will do to meet me, even if it means dressing up like a git. Ravi gets a bit of a dunking on here as well, where he's the executioner in Series 5. Look at how far members of the public are willing to... to what they're willing to do in order to get close to me. Bucky O'Hare is members of the public. He was on the production team. It was a fun moment of the show. They do show the businessman. I can't remember what they, used, they called him in Series 6. The boss. He, the boss, that was it. Because yeah, he's fighting all the boss battles. I thought they might have done something being like, so a similar looking bloke ended up in Series 6 to, in this stupid get-up as well. But no, they just show him as like, you know, part of the challenges feature we get later on. And, you know, we get a medley of various contestants of winners and losers. And, of course, one very specific loser, Dave Perry. Yes, our challenges are tough, but it struck me down the years how our unsuccessful contestants have always shouldered their loss with good grace and the knowledge that their lives have been enriched by taking part. Well, nearly always. Now, on to you, Dave. Um, now, you have, as I said, on the show, you are the greatest games player in Britain. What happened? What went wrong? Well, I think I've been set up fairly badly here today. Uh-huh. Okay, then. So uh, what you're saying, Dave, is the biggest game of this year. You haven't played much. It's not released till next year. I'll play right. it next year when it's released in this okay, country. Okay, you are a journalist. We can get it on import. Not a journalist. I'm a marketing manager. We're not seeing sour grapes at all here, Dave, is what you're trying to say. No, we're not. We're seeing somebody just saying he's been set up. Okay, then. And on that bombshell! Yeah, they show it more or less in its entirety, this section here. They don't show Kirk's run, but they do show Dave Perry falling and his his bitter promo afterwards. 
just staring away from Dominic, staring away from the camera. It doesn't get any less uncomfortable. It really doesn't, no. So uh, this is the same video package that was in episode 15, the same clips, highlights. But what they've done is they've just cut out most of the game footage. So it's actually just showing the players, but show, not showing any of the games. There's way more of game footage in the in the 15. I mean, this is Games Master. No one's here for video games, Luke. No, they're here to see some kids go, way, Or some kids go, oh. Or a man dressed up as Robert the Cop. <laughs> or, you know, some kids going, I think you find there was a setup. Well, I think I've been set up fairly badly here today. They're not kids, they're marketing managers. <laughs> I didn't actually make any notes of that section. I just wrote, oh, and Dave Perry. <laughs> so we kind of get a very brief highs and mostly lows of Games Master there. Some things they regret, like Robocop, maybe already beginning to regret the way things went with Dave Perry. As this is an episode where we're looking back at Games Master, we can also look back at ourselves. Almost 180 episodes. What are our regrets, Luke? I am slightly annoyed that we really nailed down our intro format so late on. Because like, when I go back and like, I think of the, the early episodes that we did, we didn't do half as much research about the movies that we do now. You know, like Bill and Ted's Burger Journey, we would have just said, here's what it made at the box office here's what it made to you know to make here's how much it cost to make here's our memories of it and i do like that but like now i mean we just did like 25 minutes record recently on starship troopers like i know i know we're not all 25 minutes made it into the final episode but it's just fun for you and i to sit down and talk about starship troopers for 25 minutes even if no one gets to hear that i had a fun time so, but we didn't get to do that and you know i kind of started doing the here's what happened in tv around this period of time as well in the week that, that's, that's happened and music and stuff. And I didn't really start doing that until like series five. So think of all like the TV debuts and stuff that we'd have missed from 92 through to about 95. I think there was a lot in series one because we recorded all of series one without an audience, like literally without an audience. No one outside of a few friends and family heard that pilot episode or really heard anything of it until we released that first episode January of 2020. And I think once we started to realise people were listening, and particularly once we launched the Patreon at the end of Series 1 as we started Series 2, a couple of things happened. One is you become aware there's an audience. Two is people started to say, oh, I think you'll find it was this, or correcting us when we made an assumption. And at that point, my brain at least goes, I'm researching the shit of this now. I still remember Mario Brothers 4, especially because it was yeah, a friend that I, called me out I on it. No, yeah. That was, that was <laughs> Hi, the Andy. Yeah, it was the first big one that we had there. It was like I, Even in that first Series 1 feedback episode we did, which was a remote podcast, because we were waiting for people to get their feedback in and stuff, mm. we were holding off on recording some more of Series 2 because we had the idea of, ah, this will blow over, and then we can get back to being in person. We'd rather do this in person than do this online, until it became a we now have to record something because we're running out of time before we have to put a new episode out. So yeah, I, I regret not doing deeper research earlier on. Yeah, uh, We wouldn't have been able to get ahead as quickly though because, I mean, we we were 10 episodes ahead because we used to be able to knock two episodes out of an evening. Do you remember what that was like? That was beautiful. Those hour-long records? <laughs> like, an hour-long record, Ash, could you imagine? Not nowadays, no. no. I think the problem is, is we knew each other before we started this but over the past three years we've got to know each other and we like talking and the problem is is we start talking about something and we'll tangent off and half the tangents you never even hear the longer it's gone on the more we found stuff to talk about and i think 
that's been okay because you guys have stuck with us. Like, you guys like it when we just do a Patreon stream and we're just literally talking about what we've watched on TV, and we appreciate that. I wish we'd started it earlier, the deeper research. I don't know if it would have been a good idea. I, I think that's fair, because I think the, the first few episodes that sort of almost run like an hour with clips were just slightly over an hour. It's a good way to ease people into the podcast, because I remember one of the first bits of feedback that I got from um, Seb Patrick for, you know, I'll be mentioning later on, he said, you need to get to the show quicker. I think we were talking about Bill and Ted and we were talking about Queen and this and the other. And he was like, "You got this is a Games Master podcast. Like people are going to want to hear you talking about Games Master. And I think, and I, and I completely agree with him. So I, I think those first 10 episodes where we are just like, you know, the intro portion, there was also, we didn't do the Games Master magazine, but we were doing some other magazine bits and bobs. Mm. You know, those intros were probably like eight, nine minutes, 10 maybe. Now it's so much longer, but I think we've also got to the point now where our audience has grown with us. So they're quite happy for us to spend 15, 20 minutes not getting to the fireworks factory because we'll eventually get to the fireworks factory. These episodes are now two hours, two hours 15, as opposed to just the one hour shows that they used to be. And yet we still manage to pick up new listeners. Like we see new listeners, new patrons joining us all the time. And it's amazing, which means... It's not completely alienating to people because not everyone is going back to series one, episode one and starting with us there. That's why I was wondering whether people just like if you discover the podcast, you know, if you discover the podcast at this point or around this time, do you go back? It's like, crack, I need to go back to episode one or do I just jump into the series that I remember? So like, you know, the Andrew Shudera podcast is a, a podcast that I absolutely love. I didn't join in that show when it first started. I didn't get into that show until they'd hit WrestleMania 2000 or Royal Rumble 2000, in fact, actually. So that's like three years into their journey. So I then I actually started with those shows, the the more recent shows, because they were the shows I've got a lot of nostalgic love for, then went back to the start to listen to the rest of them. I just wonder how many like if I had discovered a Games Master podcast, would I just dive straight into Series 5 stuff? Because that's the stuff I remember the most. Or... Would I go back to episode one, where it's like Super Mario Brothers 3 and Manchester United European football and uh, Mad Dog McCree? I would listen to the latest episode and then between episodes, fill in the backlog. In fact, I'm pretty certain that's what I did with The Attitude Era. It's what I did with We Hate Movies. It's what I did with Sonic the Comic, the podcast. It's a good, that's a good way to do it, actually. Yeah, because yeah, there's more really days good. a week. You can get loads of episodes in those in-between days. That's really, I think, my only regret had there not been a pandemic we'd have been so much further ahead than we kind of ended up being because as i said what happened is we recorded all of series one in one go even with the the paul gannon episode as well that we did and started doing series two then the pandemic hit and we were like well this will only be a handful of weeks then we'll be back to the you know back into the office and we can go back into the studio and record let's not do anything and what happened was then we ended up being, oh no, now we need to record an episode because it goes out next week. As opposed to, at one point, we were 10 episodes ahead of ourselves. And that desperate chasing of our own tail continued for the next three years. Because that's exactly where we are now. Yeah, and the only time we didn't is when I had to go on paternity leave. And we recorded the rest of Series 4, and I think we recorded like six episodes of Series 4 in a handful of days. Because we were like, these are the only days that I'll have to record before I'm you know, basically indisposed for a month. And then once we'd, all those episodes then dried up and then we had to record new stuff. Thankfully, 
the new show came out, and that really did benefit us some way. Do you regret being weekly? No. I don't think I do. There's part of me, when I'm up at 5am doing the edit so the episode can go out at half past six, I do regret the early access of the Patreon episodes because we would then at least be a week ahead of ourselves. But I don't regret it being weekly. I'm actually very proud that we have never missed, an e- in the free feed, never missed an episode. This will be one of my lasting kind of like things I'm proud of with this podcast is we nailed an episode out every week. We did some insanely tight turnarounds, particularly with the the Games Master reboot. Even if we do decide to let the curtain fall on this podcast, and we're not saying that, but even if I would still be able to look back at Under Consultation and go, that was a hell of a run. We platinumed that motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) That was one of the first conversations that we had. You know, back in, the, you know, when we first met each other in that pub to talk about this, it's got an end point. This has got a definitive end point that's not madly outside of its reach. And I think back to midway through series two, which, you know, it's crazy to think series two and three, 26 episodes each that series had. Midway through series two being like, we'll never get to series seven because it feels so far away in the distance. But It came around really quickly. My only regret about it being weekly is we wouldn't be in the situation we're in now, which is where we're trying to think of what's next. We'd still have half the journey ahead of us. That's very true. Yeah, And that's actually that thing. It came around so quickly. It seems mad to me now that I ever had that thought in the first place that like Series 7 feels so far off in the future. I I remember writing out on the, the, the Google Doc that we have, the Dream Sheet, and writing out all the episode titles and writing out Tekken 3 slash Final Furlong and be like, that's so far in the future. Well, you know, like, uh, uh, we'll c- cross that bridge when we get to it. But we got to that bridge way sooner than, than I ever thought that we would do. So, yeah, if, if we'd have kept it at a, a lesser pace, then we could have ebbed this out just that little bit more and enjoyed the ride that we are unfortunately coming to an end of. You know something bugging me? What's that? Technically, this is where we recorded the first episode. But it's not really where it began because you put a tweet out on Twitter uh, saying, oh, why isn't there a Games Master podcast or words to those effect? And I retweeted or liked going, that's, that's a great idea. I'd listen to that. And as I said many times previously, you messaged me going, do you fancy it? And that was on September 18th. I looked it up and I said no. <laughs> then I said yes. And then we started talking about what the podcast would be. And we decided to meet somewhere near here and basically try and plan out what this podcast would be. That's kind of where this all began. So I reckon that's where we should go. That's a good idea. Yeah. 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 Okay. We're doing the microphones. Oh, don't worry. I'll fix it in the edit. Okay, cool. Now, as Games Master wended its merry way through the years, other channels tried to blatantly steal our winning formula and our split infinitives to come up with rival video game shows, none of which, incidentally, are still on the air. Uh, What we had that they didn't, apart from the dubious uh, merits of a slightly overweight, bald Scottish broke, was one vital ingredient in our TV pie. The challenges. 
So we have Dom uh, sitting cross-legged on the beach. And I think this is where we, like in the previous link was the first example of the set being taken apart, which is like a big theme of this episode. But here we start to see like loads of the crew ripping down the set. Yeah, I mean, there's this whole idea of deconstructing an episode, but this is really deconstructing (laughs) an episode. And there's a slightly like thin veil dig at bad influence, I think. I felt there was a dig at bad influence. I also thought there was a bit of a dig at their sister broadcast, Games World. That's the other one I was thinking. Yeah, because it's talking about, you know, challenges and this, that and the other. Or at least, you know, shows that try to copy them. Which is weird because arguably Games World did try and copy them. But did bad influence? I don't think they did. I mean, bad influence never did challenges. They did cheats mm-hmm. with Namrud for a while. Yep. And they did news and features. But realistically speaking, they were their own beast. But we already know that Dominic still had that whole rule of we're never going to be scooped by them. There will be hell to pay if bad <laughs> influence ever scoop us. I think you can see that he regrets that now. Mm-hmm. And I think you can also see that, you know, Violet Berlin certainly has her very justifiable opinions very on so. what Games Master turned into. She only seems to like season one. I think it did have a bit more merit than that. And despite the fact that it very much is the redheaded stepchild of Games Master, series three still has a lot going for it as a format, as a concept. I still think that world championship of gaming, not of a specific game or genre, but of overall gaming, I still think that has legs. Yeah, I think there was still something in there for series three, which didn't quite get it's the full, pure version of what it could be. But it leads us into our next video package, which, again, is the one from Series 5. It even has the same music from the uh, the Killer Instincts. Yes, uh, I know. Which is that. <laughs> yeah. I had a good little bop to that when it came back. Oh, it's good doing that one. Yeah, the yeah. way you move in that. But it uh, does culminate in one of my least favorite challenges from Games Master, the, the Baby Rom challenge. And poor Callum. It's me and Dave Perry, I think, are the ones who don't like this bit. Callum. Go on, because we don't have a lot of time left. Come on. On you come. Come on with Uncle Dominic. Kirk, have you got any advice for young Callum here? He's been gone for 12 seconds. Well, I saw this sort of thing happen before with Mark Spitz in the 76 Olympics. I mean, under this kind of pressure, you can't really expect the kid to respond. Well, he's been gone for 20 seconds. He's quiet now. We've stopped the crying. Still no sign of him playing the game. Callum, you have to do it. I'll give you 20 quid, Callum. In orange 20 pounds. Do you know how many you find you can buy way 20 pounds? 50 quid, Callum. You've only got five seconds left. You're not going to do it, Callum. Three... Two, one, you're out of time. So we got to see a lot of different challenges. And I'm sure like we were very similar to each other that we saw these challenges as kids and we thought, we can do this. Yeah. You know, we can do this. Why can't these kids do this? Are we still that arrogant as adults or have we gained a bit of hubris? So, well, certain challenges, like early doors, I think there are some challenges. Like, you know, if you took the the Mario Brothers 3 one of get X amount of coins. I yeah. think you and I could do that or get the most amount of rings in Sonic the Hedgehog. Some of those ones I think we could do. I mean, I've, I've proven that I can do the Tasmania challenge from Series 2. But some of the later challenges, I wouldn't have been able to crack Tekken 2 the way that they did or, you know, play Virtual Fighter 3 like the Tetsujin or complete Virtual Cop on one credit. I, I, I definitely wouldn't be able to do anything like that. What about you? There are some challenges I see 
and I think, oh, I could definitely do those. Uh, pilot wings, anything pilot wings. I'm like, yeah, I could do that. Pilot wing 64. Yeah, I could do that. I love pilot wings. I mean, the easy one out the door. You mentioned Ted Sujin, but let's be honest. We're both better Street Fighter players than most of the kids on series <laughs> like two and three. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, where a fireball was a rarity. Well, like, funny enough, actually, because Dom even brings that up. Like, he shows, you know, one of the new clips that we get that isn't in that Series 5 clip package is Martin Mathers playing Virtual Cop and then failing on, on Virtual Cop 2. Martin, talk us through those closing stages again, then. Hostage pops up. He looked too much like Peter Andre for my liking, so I just had to do the only humane thing. But they mentioned that beat-em-ups have been a big part of uh, Games Master. So, Ash, I did some stats looking up. Ooh, was there a spreadsheet involved? A little bit. So, to my count, and I, I will, you know, give or take one or two, I believe there have been 338 challenges across Games Master. That's 338 challenges that we've seen to completion, that's not a, including Robert the Cop. That's exactly it, yeah. I didn't include the Gore special in there. Um... But so that's 338 challenges, 66 of which were beat-em-ups, which makes it 19.5% of Games Master challenges were on beat-em-ups. I would have genuinely thought that statistic would have been more, given that we were in the age of your Street Fighters, your Mortal Kombat, your Clay Fighters and all their various sponsorship deals, your Primal Rages, all, all of that stuff. I actually genuinely feel that it... I thought it would have been more than that. I thought it was going to be more than that as well, because you're right, like, there are some episodes where there are, like, all three challenges were beat-em-ups. We even had, you know, the Ravi, the executioner, he plays three different beat-em-ups as part of a challenge. During the team championships, beat-em-ups came up quite a few times because they were easy ones you can put two of the people head-to-head -head when you get into the final. Five throw combo. One. <laughs> two. <laughs> Three, four, and spinning around, five. That is unbelievable. <laughs> we then get clips of the Tekken 2 challenge from Series 5 and the, the Killer Instinct combo challenge. I always really liked those challenges, you know, especially when looking back at those ones of how good can you be at the game, find the best moves, get the best combos. And it rounds off with one of the best challenges that the show ever did, the Tetsujin beat 100 kids from Paula's drama school. I was thought it would have been tired today, but this is nearly perfect. It's nearly perfect. It looks like he's going to get a perfect one quick. Oh, Excellent. Uh, the decision does the 100. Now we know how high Dominic was on the Tekken 3 World Championship that we had just last week. But for sheer spectacle, the Tetsujin challenge for me is still the best to the point where I do look back at when we did UCP Live 2 and think, why didn't I pick Tetsujin? <laughs> From Series 6. Yeah, why didn't I pick Tetsujin? Because, I, I, well, actually, arguably, I know why. And this is peeling back the curtains. We pretty much mainly chose challenges that we knew we stood a cat in hell's chance of recreating. That's it, yeah. And there's no way we'd be able to recreate Tetsujin. Uh, for one, we don't have the connection to Paula's drama school. I and mean, I did feel quite bad about that as well, actually, because when, you know, I, I, I just didn't expect this to happen. But Frankie was there for UCP Live 2. And, you know, I said in this moment, I was like, we're going to talk about, like, our favourite challenges from Series 8. And I've picked speedrunners. 
And the only reason I picked that is because we're going to do a speedrunners challenge in the second half. It's not really my favourite challenge from Series 8, though. On the reboot, there were better challenges. But I just felt bad to be frank. It was like, it's not really my favourite challenge. It's just because we're doing this in the second half. Although, genuinely, FIFA was my favourite challenge. Yeah, absolutely, for yours, yeah. Right, should we go into the pub then? Um, I suppose while we get our drinks in, we'll have this little bit from Dominic Diamond and our final address from the Games Master himself. Now, although I do all of the work, you may have noticed that this programme isn't called The Dominic Diamond Show, in spite of annual assurances from the producer along the lines of, well, of course, next series, we're going to change the title Dominic. Now, just sign here or we'll leave you tied to that train track. Oh no, over the years, one man has consistently upstaged me. The Games Master. The sun has set. The end has come. Goodbye, my friends. Remember me. So Ash, here we are at the uh, the pub where we first had our meeting about doing this podcast. By the way, cheers, by the way, I should say. Cheers. cheers. Nice bit of foley work. That's it, yeah. Well, this is our second, uh, second episode we recorded at a pub. And the second one where we've ended up sat outside because of some sort of damned sports event. <laughs> this is behind the scenes. This is kind of ret- retrospective. I should have checked the sports fixtures before I came up with the idea of let's go to the pub. Well, I've been to this pub numerous times. I've never seen the sports go on. I didn't even know they had TVs in here. There were guys in there playing kind of uh, CCG games. They look as startled as anyone <laughs> that the football's on. <laughs> One of those I was like, what? What do you mean they're putting sports on? There's never sports here. How do I draw a card for an offside? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that Games Master final address, it was actually quite emotional. Like, you know, you get Dom's speech that he gets, you know, that he has at the end. Like, this is the final Games Master. This is the final time he will ever address us because Patrick Moore is no longer with us. We still could have Dominic Diamond address us in, on some form of a Games Master show, but Patrick Moore we will never hear from again. So, this, like, watching it now with that knowledge, genuinely, it's feel like, quite emotional it also does highlight in the medley package that follows of some of games master's greatest hits if you will literally in the case of anti-aircraft guns on seagulls how the role did diminish over time like there are way more clips from the early seasons in this medley it's all season two basically like there's a couple from series one but it's really mostly series two there's no series three consultation zone there's no series four consultation zone it's all series two and it's all zelda three hello games master on zelda three zelda three zelda three zelda three zelda three zelda three Zelda three. frankly young man that sort of question offends my intellect and doesn't deserve to be asked Oh yeah, that's more like it. Next. Which is the bit that was in the Series 5 clip package that I was like, I thought this was in the final episode, and it turns out it's in both. So I did uh, compare and contrast this clip package from the one that's in Series 5 for the Christmas special. The only thing that it cuts out is, it cuts out Auntie Marisha, which I think is a bit of a shame. Yes. It cuts out the Dalek, which I also think is a bit of a shame. And oddly... The little girl who says, Case Master, can you help me? In the Series 5 one, it shows what she was asking for, which was a hint on the Adams family. And this one is just like, oh, no. <laughs> can you help me? No, you're shit. But we do get, ooh, ah, Cantona. <laughs> Let's party. Ooh, ah, Cantona. <laughs> Incredible. Which is also one of the rare moments we got outtakes at the end of Games Master. And 
as we get into this episode, there are a few more outtakes we see for the first time. And I, I love that bit because it's just the concept that Patrick Moore was so divorced from reality, he didn't know who Eric Cantona was. Or what the chant was or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. And it ends off with, again, from that Tetsujin episode, incredible. Incredible. It's a problem the reboot faced with Games Master. What do you do with him? I mean, with the reboot, it was an hour-long show. They all had three challenges, and he had little bits and pieces to do elsewhere. We did the interviews, like, you know, it was a pre Yeah, yeah, they, they yeah. found a really good way to bring him in there. Would that have worked in old Games Master? I mean, what could they have done to include more of Games Master in the show that bore his name? Because as we came down to single challenge episodes or two challenge episodes and no consultation zone i mean i doubt patrick's fee went down but his screen time certainly did yeah it's amazing how little he really is in the show and you're right like you know dominic diamond even says the show's not called the dominic diamond show despite how much the producers told him it would be it is called games master and it is less about games master setting challenges or helping players and it is just yeah he's there for like a handful of lines I don't know how you could have incorporated into it, maybe doing something news-related or the features, but that I don't think that would have been the best use of Patrick Moore. Idea that came into my head just because I've recently been re-watching some early Red Dwarf, Series 1, Series 2. Could they have had Patrick Moore's Games Master doing a cold open? Oh, that's Like Holly used yeah, to. Yeah, like Holly used to do, yeah. It would have required some impeccable script writing to make it land on every single episode, but I, I think that, that could have worked. I do like how, you know, you kind of look back on this and you see the old version of Games Master when he was just a little bit of a face. And it kind of made me very nostalgic for that Series 5 rebrand they did of him, because I didn't like the Series 4 get-up they, they put on him. But the Series 5 one was so great when they gave him the big beard and the big crown and everything. And, and the same with the Series 6 uh, underwater Atlantis version. I mean, he became God and then a God and then the, the sun. sun. <laughs> but yeah, it also made me very nostalgic for that Series 1 foolish boy era of Games Master when he basically was just insulting small children because they were stuck on Zelda 3. I mean, the Fletcher year doesn't get much of a look in in this, unsurprisingly. I miss some of that. I miss the fact that he did address Dexter a number of times. I miss Raja, the cat. Yeah, very Bring small, back Raja. Very small number of appearances for Raja, but remember, like, do get on with it, Fletcher. I thought that was great. I thought that was fun. And they brought a little bit of that fun to the reboot. Yes. Like taking the order, the takeaway order and stuff like that. You know, if you've got Patrick Moore for X days in a studio, and I know the production crew didn't particularly seem to enjoy working with him maybe getting him to do some cold opens or just some bits for the camera maybe that would have been the solution yeah particularly because you are doing less and less challenges there's no consultation zone i mean that's the most you ever saw of him really was in the consultation zone because he was literally telling you how to complete certain elements of games and he got a lot of vo work as well as insulting children after the break famous people i have met and horribly compromised in our celebrity challenges Famous countries I have visited and infected with irony in our features. There now follows your last chance ever to view the most sought-after commercial break in the history of television. As you'd expect, the scramble for it was unholy. Let's see who got to the top of the pile. Johnny? Yeah? What are you writing? Nothing. Mm. Why? No reason. Oh. Johnny, do 
Did you know St. Valentine was beaten with clubs and then beheaded? <laughs> Find out what's going on with Johnny and Denise on The Big Breakfast. Now you can enjoy more for less at McDonald's with a McTriple with cheese for only £1.39. But hurry, it's only for a limited time. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The word is out. I did not see the birdcage and I'm trying to have my dinner. Is he? Howard. I'm not gay. Or isn't he? I can't reveal that. I'm a postal employee. Find out. We just never ran into each other here at the intersectional. Homosexual. Intersections. Excuse me. Are you? What? Homeroom teacher. In and out. Come on, Bobby Joe, please. Well, how do I know if I'll like it? Well, how do you know if you don't try it? My parents. So what? Come on. All right, but just a little. I love it. The unexpected taste of Dr. Pepper. You've got to try it to love it. Texas, white on blonde, the number one album. If you only buy one album this year, make it the best. Texas, white on blonde. It's out now. Wake up to a clearer skin. Spots, forget about them. Just wash every day with new Clearasil Complete. Helping stop spots has never felt so good. New Clearasil Complete. It's all you need to help beat spots. Thanks very much, Elena. Take care. See you later. Thanks, Leon. Tara, love. Take care. Welcome back to the final 12 minutes of the show that won uh, the BAFTA Light Entertainment Award for 12 consecutive years. 
One of the great joys of hosting Games Master has been helping to kickstart the careers of almost every single celebrity in Britain, uh, apart from E17, who I vowed to destroy. And like the emotion continues when we come back out of the ad break because it's Dom saying goodbye to Helena and Leanne. And it does genuinely feel quite sweet. You know, it's just like giving them a little peck on the cheek, ta love, you know, see you down the line. You know, the set being deconstructed is one thing, but this is like oh no, these are work colleagues that are no longer going to be working with each other. I think that's one thing I think the episode is slightly missing is the other commentators. You know, there's no Rick in this episode. There's no Derek or Kirk in this episode, like on the actual set bits. I don't know if that was deliberate or just as we're aware, they had a very tight turnaround on this. And the bit that they shot with the girl Fridays could have been done at the end of any shoot. Yeah, because the set's not being taken down in the background. It's just it's just shot off. It's Dom sat on the side of the pool. Yeah. Literally on the side of the pool. <laughs> yeah. And you see how how much of a thin piece of polythene is all that separates that water from metres and metres of electrical cable. You mentioned as well that like Series 3 doesn't get a much of a look in... You know, it is in clip packages because, I mean, we've even interviewed one of the contestants that's featured in the clip package. And they even show some celebrities in the clip package as well. But Dom here says that... Despite the show only being on air for seven series, it has won the BAFTAs for 12 consecutive years, which by its very definition means Series 3 won a BAFTA. No, that was the year they didn't win one. <laughs> but it's 12 consecutive years. Oh, unless, of course, they won it for like six years, had a break, then it won it for 12 consecutive years after Series 3. Oh, no, no, no. I just assumed that they did win a BAFTA the year of Series 3, but it was for Series 2. Oh, I see. It was, series 2 was so good. It won it twice. It won it twice. There was 26 episodes. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Series two was so long, it crossed. <laughs> it crossed the BAFTA nomination threshold. Series three as well, you could have already counted that as two different series as well. You really could. I mean, there were very specific reasons why it took such a tonal shift. Um, the prison they were using to film in became active again. And despite their flagrant ignorance of health and safety rules, they did think... No, putting large amounts of children in an active prison is probably not the smartest move in the world. Instead, we'll just put them all in a basement. They'll just get really hot down there because them lights aren't... Those are some old 90s lights. My favourite thing is, is I did recently look up that location and was looking at photos of it taken within the past few years. It looks exactly the same. (laughs) It makes it very easy to identify, but... It still looks dark. It still looks like it's got a very massive damp problem. And it does look like if you spent extensive amounts of time down there, you would be exposed to goodness knows what toxins. Well, perhaps this is something that will get cut out of the episode, but there's a potential location for a UCP live. Oh, I like that. (laughs) That's where we do UCP team championships in the same location as Series 3's team championships. And of all the possible locations, it is the one we're most likely to be able to afford. (laughs) It's long been said that each generation produces celebrities that represent the hopes and dreams of ordinary people everywhere, and that their very existence lifts our collective hearts and minds from the dreary workings of everyday life and provides us with the very stuff of dreams. Sometimes, in addition, they're also fantastically attractive women. That takes us into the like the best of celebs. And I think, you know, Dominic Diamonds, when he's doing his introduction about this, you know, he's making a joke, a flippant joke about how the fact they launched many careers, uh, apart from E17, who he vows to destroy. He didn't need to. They did that to themselves. But I do feel like Dominic's very proud of the celebs that they did get on Games Master. Like, you can hi- see that in the oral history, but I think even just in here... He's very proud of the celebrity aspects of Games Master. I mean, they held on to that. While features may have come and gone of this early door series, celebrities always stuck with it. 
And I think it says a lot for the celebrities. I mean, Don makes a joke about, oh, all the celebrities, a lot of which were birds that I fancied. But you can tell what he really thought by the person who arguably gets the most screen time is Vic Reeves. I'm coming down the steps of that height. <laughs> Listen. What a pleasure it is to stand in front of such a marvellous array of dials. <laughs> Who not only gets part of his intro, he gets part of his challenge and part of his outro. It took me right back to that challenge and looking back and going, yeah, that was one of the best celebrity challenges from the point of view of a celebrity rolling with the punches and having fun. I think it's also the challenge that you and I kind of semi-reference just in like terms of tone and, you know, things like that was very poor. Very, very poor. What a lovely array of dials. I am terrified. Vic was absolutely on it. And maybe that was the celebrities that we look back on the most because my brain just went, Vic was absolutely in on this and just rolled with the punches. And so did Hacksaw. And so did Macho Man. Yeah. Big Ken, Kendo Nagasaki, was the only wrestler that didn't really get with it. Stars and Stripes. Oh, no, Stars and Stripes were so on board. Yeah, a lot of fun with the wrestlers that we had. Yeah, Kendo's only the one that really sticks out because he was too in gimmick. He was too in gimmick. Yeah, he had to have a manager do his speaking for him. But that did mean we got a proper, like, World of Sport-esque, grannies with their handbags, boo, moment with him. We could have done with Auntie Marisha around for that. She would have been the granny with the handbag. And just as Ken walks out... She'd have hit him with the handbag. That's actually the challenge it was. Kendo Nakasaki versus Auntie Marisha on WWF Super WrestleMania. No, better than Auntie Marisha. Get Hetty back in. Yes. She'd have won. <laughs> and I think this video package, it's the most edited of the, or sort of most new of the video packages. There are a lot of the same clips that are in the Series 5 um, clip show that we had for the Christmas special. But the only celebrity that's come out of that is the game's mistress when she was in Series 3. Not as, as opposed to Jet from Series 2, but when she was the game's mistress in Series 3 playing, I believe, Terminator 2. But this one adds in so much from series five and series six like it includes uh all saints the cricketer lads yannick gers sam fox emma harrison the final furlong girls and michael fish and joe guest like it adds a lot of extra ones from five six and seven which is that true dominates era where i think he was like those were all the celebrities he got to pick he didn't shy away from some of the more awkward moments. We do see Miss Natalie in Bruges' negligee. I know that one of his most embarrassing moments that he even brought up in the interview that we did does make it into, like, in full. Like, that's not in the Series 5 version, but here in the Series 7 version, he puts it all in full. So to speak. <laughs> Natalie, I want to talk about the pressures of being a sex symbol. Oh, gosh, I don't think of myself as a sex symbol. No, I was talking about me. Tony, well, I'll ask you a much, much classier question. I want to know what you look for in a shorts. Well, the most important quality you put in the shorts is um, comfort and support. So, so, you know, stop things wiggling about and shaking about. <laughs> wiggling about? <laughs> Wait, wiggling sounds like it's small. It's not like small. You know, well, yeah, I mean, I, I probably wiggle. Uh, I'd imagine I most definitely wiggle. And we also get to see, like, you know, the, the athlete kings, which is one of the best celebrity challenges that we've ever had, and the absolute filth of the Zoe Ball challenge. Speaking of celebrities that are absolutely in on it, Zoe and the way she interacts with Dom is a someone that's like, yeah, I know why I'm here and I can give as good as I can get. We had it with Catalina a couple of weeks back, but like, I think those two are the most giving it as good as they got on the set of Games Master. And again, we get almost the full segment there just with the post-match stuff of Dom talking about how people frequently fall for his rolling Fanta. Zoe almost going kind of 
off fourth wall and going, who writes your material? <laughs> you would do quite well at the start there. Then, then what happened? What went wrong? Um, I was listening to you. You're not the first woman to be captivated by the rolling lilt of my accent. Oh, darling. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much, Adi, for coming on. Who writes your lines? I make them all up. Isn't really? Isn't that amazing? When I think of celebrities what does make the a best version of a celebrity on the show like when i think back of my favorite celebrities that have been on it's it's certainly the ones that were there for i'm here to promote x show like the, the ones who didn't really know what show they were going on i you know you can mostly forget some of the sports personalities because their sports personalities were a bit boring like do you remember the cricket guy that was in series 3 yeah like, dollars dishwater but jimmy I, white's trick shop <laughs> Don was mad impressed by that trick shot. Although playing snooker against the Mega Drive, that, that was, was a great one. Absolutely, yeah. he redeemed himself to absolutely. Jimmy. So I think there are some sports personalities that were better than others. There were some of the girls that Don fancies that were better than others. There were some of the musical acts that that, that were better than others. But there is like the nice middle ground of. Is a games player, because a lot of the services we had on were not. It might have been the first time they'd ever picked up a controller. So they were good games players, were in on the joke. Some of which, you know, you tell were fans of the show that had seen the show before and then could have some really good patter with Dom or, you know, Dexter when it comes to Series 3. Nowadays, you're more likely to get an expert games player because gaming has gone mainstream. We're five generations into the PlayStation. Nintendo became absolutely mainstream with the Wii and the Switch is not doing bad for itself. Look at Series 8. Look, yeah, exactly, Series 8. It's people that are willing to give it a go, but also who embrace the inherent daftness of the show. Those are the ones which I will look back on the most fondly. The Hacksaws, the Macho Men, the Zoe Balls, the Catalinas. Yeah. And even um, Let Loose. They were shit. Their career went nowhere. <laughs> but they had fun. Yeah. They knew that they didn't have long left in the limelight. But they were like, yeah, we're on Games Master. We're going to have a giggle with it. Oh, I remember when we interviewed Dom. I feel like I'm, we're bringing that up a lot, but I will do. We interviewed Dom. So we're running out of times so we can bring it up. So get it all out your system, lad. <laughs> so when we interviewed Dom, he made the point of when he came back after Series 4 and they did that, when it came to Series 5 and he wanted to reduce down the number of challenges, he wanted to spend more time with them because he made... It, the, the, the example he brings up is they had Take That on the show who were, you know, the biggest band on the planet. Granted, they weren't when they did the taping, but by the time the show aired, they were, you know, the biggest boy band on the planet, certainly in the country. Um, but they're only, like, interviewed for 30 seconds, and there's five of them. You look at, like, now, you know, with Series 7, and, like, speaking with them for, like, minutes at a time, you know, each person they're speaking to individually, like, that All Saints chat goes on for ages. Like, each one individually gets a question and gets a bit of banter and stuff. Because we had Sarah Vandenberg again on Series 7, I wanted to throw in a clip of her talking from Series 4 when she did the Bruce Lee challenge. Honestly, there was no point in me even looking it up because she says nothing. It's like, yeah, that's, that's it. it. Yeah, it was just like, you're on this show. Yeah, I am. Cool. On to the next person. How did you find that game? Yeah, it was all right. And on to the next person. I think Dom is right in that sense that the celebrities kind of get a little bit better in terms of the interviews and stuff and the actual time spent with them as opposed to they were in the early days which was more just almost like the freak show nature of can you imagine a celebrity playing a video game what even is a joystick Luke? yeah that's exactly it look we have got kendo nagasaki playing a video game could you imagine the scenes 
I mean, in fairness, that one is entirely justifiable. <laughs> We've got John Barnes playing a game. Can you believe it? We've got Eric Bristow throwing axes at a girl's head and also playing a video game. <laughs> oh, those Series 1 celebrities, they, they got on there. It wasn't a show that really knew what it was or whether it would get a second series or not. And it was because it was in the sports category. Basically, every celebrity was sports personality, apart from Pat Sharp, who went on there to do innuendo. I swear some of those Series 1 guests probably went on there having been told by their agents they're not even going to wear it. <laughs> no one's going to watch no this. No one's going to see Have you seen the state of this? Have you seen that lad over there with the big monk's robe on? The show's never making it to air. There are only like celebrities that we could have had on Games Master from the 90s that we didn't get. Wolf. Wolf's a great show. Like, yeah, during the Gladiator stuff, Wolf would have been amazing on there. Ainsley like, Harriet. Yeah, that's a really good shout as well, actually. Like, if you'd have had, you know, Wolf and Jet doing the, the Gladiators Challenge that was in Series 2, or Wolf as part of the Clay Fighters tournament. Yeah. That would have been really good. Bringing Vic back, but with Bob, would have been like having those two play, like a two-player beat-em-up or a two-player game or something, would have been catastrophic and would not have been, like, great games playing but they would have had some good patter with Dominic. More double acts, more Punt and Dennis stuff. Yeah. Rick and Aid. Oh, mate. Yeah, Rick and Aid on the show would have been incredible. And also because their careers were, I hate to say waning a little bit, but they were on the way out. Hail and Pace. Yeah. They could have been interesting because they would have been very much the Eric Bristow, I don't quite know what I'm doing. <laughs> there is no chance. Maybe a later Anton Deck. Bring them back in later in the run because obviously their careers had started to change by that point yeah that could have been interesting jonathan ross oh who's we'll a, see who's a games player so he probably would have had a really good time on there terry christian yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh latter series dom with terry on the show carol vorderman doing puzzles yeah, like if they'd have got, had like a maths-based challenge that Carol Vorderman could have done. Or maybe Bob Holness back versus Richard Whiteley from Countdown. Yeah. In something that is complete, like Immortal Kombat. <laughs> just something that is so far against it. I, I would have loved to have seen them just use maybe some of the Channel 4 roster more. I know he didn't like him, and that's probably why. Chris Evans. Yeah, Chris Evans. Antoine Tacon and Jean-Paul Gaultier from there, Eurotrash. There's your answer right there. They wanted to do a late-night games master. That would have been the, all pun intended, backdoor pilot. Do you think the... I mean, maybe this is a chat we'll have at the end, or maybe we could just have it now. Do you think the late-night version would have worked? Because that was what they were kind of sort of pitching to do. Like, if they get to do another series, rather than air it at 6pm, they would just do it as a late-night thing. I have my own thoughts on how I would do a late-night more chat-orientated Games Master. But I think there is absolutely a way to do it. I think they would need to look to inspiration to um, other TV shows. Shows with a framing device. Mm. Like shows like Fantasy Football League. Yeah. Not to have Dominic play a full-blown comedy character, but give a setting. Don't put him in a standard chat show set. Give him something to work with. Give him Knights of Plenty but with less inebriation and more structure. That's what I was thinking. Like, if you'd have done Series 8 in 1998 on the pirate ship as a late-night thing, going by what Series 7 was, there's every chance it would have been Night of Plenty with a, a handful of games in there, like very small games playing and more just, like, 
innuendo-laden chat and probably like lower cut tops on, on whoever the assistants are. Yeah, maybe it's for the best they didn't get. I it. think it's probably for the best that we, we don't have to cover those episodes. Back in the days when I could get on a plane without the deeply embarrassing need for a mid-flight pan change, I travelled the world. Foreign dignitaries fought to throw their arms around me in a welcoming embrace, little knowing that by the time I came to leave, their international reputation would lie in tatters. We had a number of options for this week's feature. We could have covered binary code programmers in Leicester, machine operators in Swindon, or glamour models in Tampa Bay, Florida. I think we made the right decision. Here's your tea, Dominic. Thanks, love. So up next is the section which goes over the, the features. So this is all, again, brand new stuff because features were very much a part of Series 5 onwards. Like we sort of got them a little bit in Series 4 when they were making those fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants. Oh, this lad's got a Sega Saturn. Let's go around to his flat and film this without actually colour balancing the cameras because it's the, it's the first access we can get to looking at a Sega Saturn or a, a Sony PlayStation. But seriously, they, they became much more of a thing in Series 5. Like, I really kind of miss those set visits that Dom did. They show the Lawnmower Man one, even though it's Lawnmower Man 2. Excuse me if I wet myself, but we are actually in Paramount Studios in Los Angeles on the actual set of Lawnmower Man 2. It's a huge production, and in fact, all these people you can see behind me that's just the Games Master crew. They still brag about the fact that they got to go to Los Angeles, go onto these film sets, the film sets of Mortal Kombat. I know Dom didn't want to travel for Series 7, but I kind of miss a little bit of that. And I felt quite nostalgic in a way for the, the big set visit type deals that they did. This is one of the actual sets of Wing Commander 4. Now they're rehearsing just now. We've been told we're not allowed on the set, but do I look like I'm wearing a T-shirt that says, I care? Well, come on. And I also loved how excited he was for visiting the set of Lawnmower Man 2 and how meh he was about Wing Commander 4. <laughs> and in hindsight, I would flip those excitement levels because Wing Commander 4 still held as a high point of that series. Lawnmower Man 2, hmm, hmm, hmm. You're not saying that's one of the high points of the series? I, I'm not even saying it's a point, it's a flat line. <laughs> it's cold, it's overcast, it's wet, but I'm still wearing shades because we're in Los Angeles at the Jurassic Park ride. Hi, hi, hi. Poncho, poncho girl, what's, what's the story here? What's this for? It's an emergency poncho and it's so you won't get wet. Right. You don't have them in black, do you? No black. I can't wear yellow. The fashion police will arrest me in Britain. I don't think so, you look handsome. I, I don't need them. I won't get wet. Okay, have fun. We got to see the Jurassic Park ride bit again. and that, Dom versus the poncho. Yeah, and that, that <laughs> then took me back to, you know, sitting in my kitchen and recording that episode with you and you and I talking for a long time about our love of that Jurassic Park ride and then watching, like, side-by-side -side comparison videos of, like, how the ride has changed over the years. Mate, that's wrecked my YouTube wrecks <laughs> to this day. <laughs> I still occasionally get stuff about, did you know about the Jurassic Park ride? To which the answer at this point is, probably yes. Yeah, probably yes, yeah, the amount I've, re I've read up about it. I guess that brings me on to the question. If we could go on a field trip, a UCP field trip, where would we go? Like, what location from Games Master history would we go to? And why would it be Universal Studios to go on the Jurassic Park ride together? I, I was thinking it probably would be the Jurassic Park ride, because I, I think if we, you know, if we went with the 
yeah, you know, with the the, the joystick wagglers and stuff on Patreon, all of us going together and getting oh, on that ride God. together, just hiring an easy jet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> getting us all over there on an Airbus so that we could go and just do the ride. All of us refusing the ponchos in solidarity with Dom. All of us wearing all black, <laughs> all black leather and a leather jacket. <laughs> no, we don't need your stinking ponchos. The fashion police will come and get us. I'm absolutely. I definitely would. Oh, God. I love Universal Studios. Uh, I'm mainly familiar with the California one. But, you know, the Jurassic Park ride exists at both. It's fine. Let's flip the question. Where would we have liked to have seen Dom go that he didn't go? In terms of, like, you know, the set visit and stuff, if he could have done some more, like, video game movie sets, like, mm. can you imagine if he'd gone to the Super Mario Brothers sets? in 93 or 92 93 when they're doing series two because they did do set visits there the la times had a set visit there the chicago tribune had a set visit there if games master had been invited over and he we could have seen some actual like on-set footage of dominic diamond in dino hatton i would have loved to have seen him it's kind of tangentially related i'd have loved to have seen him gone to early to mid 90s new york oh yeah good shout basically before it become fully sanitised, but past the points where, you know, you're going to get shanked by a Ninja Turtle. Yeah. Uh, you know, because we didn't get to do any of the set visit stuff in Series 2 or Series 3. So like, Dexter Fletcher doing, ser- like, features. Never really thought about that. Like, what Dexter would have been like doing some of those set visits. It would have been I like s- SMT, well, not SMTV, but a bit scratchy and coke. I, I say this with the nicest will in the world because Dexter Fletcher, I believe, is a very talented actor. He's an even more talented director. In the situation he was in with Games Master and the character he was portraying, they would have been absolutely fucking insufferable. (laughs) Like, we would be holding those up as the absolute low points of Games Master because he would have been going around New York, like going up to the naked cowboy in Times Square going, all right, geezer! (laughs) Kind of like he was at the the live episodes, just walking up to various different mascots about, oh, you, cool spot! I have a new respect for those live episodes, I want to (laughs) say. Having now done a live challenge episode and still not found a way to properly put the footage together in a way that isn't just absolute arse. At least we finished ours. (laughs) We did. (laughs) We did. There were no unfinished challenges, but we came close. We certainly did. This is the California-Nevada state border just outside of Las Vegas. Behind me, you can see Desperado, what's supposed to be the world's tallest, most frightening roller coaster. Am I scared? Yeah, right. I do want to say, in that location visit, one of the last moments is Dom versus the world's tallest roller coaster, which is still one of my favourite things that Dom may have regretted doing at the time, particularly because they include the comment of, oh God, I hope the cameras worked. Because we then found out when we interviewed him for the book launch, that's the second time he'd gone rounds. Yeah. Because they filmed it twice. Like, they present it as just being filmed once, and that line now makes so much more sense because that was on the second time. We were like, I ain't doing it again. I'm not doing it a third time. That's uh, okay. I think I'm past the worst. I think I'm past the worst. I hope the camera's worked. I hope the camera's worked because I'm not doing this again. No way. Well, the lifeblood of Games Master is ebbing away fast. Over the years, there's been many moments that I'll cling to in my dotage. I wouldn't diminish them with categorization, but they're what I'll miss most. Oh, you want to talk about behind the scenes? This is proper behind the scenes. This is like 90s television behind the scenes. All those monitors being switched off individually. I, I love this. And the combination of the visual of Dominic's visage slowly depleting in number and the words of the lifeblood of Games Master is ebbing away. 
Oh, it pulled the heartstrings. I, I said here that this does feel... He sounds genuinely sad. Like, obviously, he sounds very sad in his final outro that, is, that he sort of has here. But this is like his penultimate bit of Games Master dialogue. And this is him saying, you know, look, we've done all the funny business with here are the worst moments we've had. I want to destroy E17. I can't travel anymore because I'd need too many pairs of pants. This is just straight up Dominic Diamond being like, I've had a lot of fun making this show. And here are like my personal favorite moments. Like, I don't know if this is Dom's selected highlights, but it does feel like this is Dom's hand-picked selection of favorite moments from the series. Because they use the, the Wigfield marriage thing as the framing device. Like, it cuts to, you know, basically the entirety of that challenge, but interspersed with other moments. And a lot of it's him and the, him and the goblins. <laughs> him and the goblins was a high point of this show. We see yeah. him ruining the rave. We see them breaking presents. Scott, plank. Dola, Plank. George, you came so very, very close, but ultimately... Plank. And we just see so many moments that I just put in my notes as being daft as fuck. Athletes waving to his mum, which we know is like a personal thing for him, of like every time he had an athlete on there, can you say hi to Paula for me? I mean, Dom in drag, that makes an appearance. An outtake of Dom from the Baywatch opening from a few weeks back. <laughs> I think that was the point when he just got in the water. Yeah. And that scream is, oh, God, the water's cold. And it just touched menagers. Yeah, this is this is colder than I was expecting it to be. <laughs> it always is. Make sure your pets are locked safely indoors because Dave Perry is with us. And also a few more moments with Dave Perry, including implying that Dave Perry would fuck your cat. Yeah, I get, they have all of the Dominic falling asleep behind Dave moments from series four. Obviously, we have more context for that now, particularly with the book. But I can see I can see both sides. Dave is taking this very seriously, but he is perhaps taking it too seriously. I noticed something on this time round. Dom throws over to Dave for advice. He says, Dave, is there anything they can do? Dave does not talk to Dom. No. Dave addresses the camera because he is the presenter. And I'm wondering if maybe not even consciously, but subconsciously, that is part of where the issue was because Dom asked Dave a question and Dave chose to present it to the camera. I hadn't really picked up on that. Dave is just down the barrel of the lens. Here is the advice that I would give, which is what he did in series three with Dexter. Fantastic, Tom. <laughs> just want to catch the tail end of Joe there. We also see Kirk snocking Dom to quote-unquote catch the tail end of Joe Guest. Still one of my favourite late series moments purely because Dom did not see that coming. Also one of my other favourites, the goblins kicking the shit out of presents. <laughs> like with hammers. They, I didn't notice it. Perhaps, perhaps it's because this is clearer because it's the DVD copy but they are smashing the presents with hammers. I love that. Yeah. But we also get a few outtakes including one of Kirk. Do you know my mum hates you? She calls you the bold Satan. <laughs> And you then have like basically a little series of this because you have, yeah, you're the bald Satan. Rick really making Dom laugh during the Athlete Kings and then Derek really making Dom laugh uh, with his spaceship comments. Those three back-to-back -back really do feel like, Dom, I've handpicked these. These are the most I've ever laughed with my favourite commentators. This is the moments they made me laugh the most. Today we're asking you to munch on our TV pie. This is what's on today's show. <laughs> Flowers on fire! <laughs> we have Dom and his Christmas cock and balls, and then what is my personal favourite outtake, purely because it involves fire. 
<laughs> which also happened in the Series 5 one. Do you remember like, they accidentally set fire to the set decorations there as well? Yeah, it's clearly a theme for episodes that involve food, because here we have Dom doing his joke about the girls giving him crabs again, and the table setting catches fire. And the thing that gets me is Dominic's like, oh, there's fire. The Girl Fridays are trying to blow it out, and there is bollock all happening from the production crew it's also dom doesn't notice it it's the girls fridays that spot it first dom's just still presenting away is the fire a camera <laughs> no then that's why he didn't notice it but I'm, i like in this there is a clip from that christmas special from series five which is the clip show which means that in this clip show there's a clip from the clip show oh this is too meta for me <laughs> to you europop queen wigfield Take this man to be your lawful wedded bloke? I do. And do you, Dominic, bald, unattractive, but quite funny diamond, take this woman to be your lawful wedded wife? I do. I now pronounce you man and wife. You may kiss the bride. One thing, viewers. Although I'm marrying Wigfield, it doesn't mean I'm divorcing you. Bye-bye. So I guess all that leaves us to do now is to hand it over to Dominic Diamond for his final address and his final moments on screen as the presenter of Games Master. So that's it. I would like to personally thank the many talented people that have worked on this show. They will all go on to bigger things, but somehow none of them will seem quite as self-indulgent as Games Master. Uh, I know some people might have thought it's been flippant to some people, it might seem as if it's been in bad taste, but it was made with the total conviction that to you, the viewers, it meant something. So I guess really now with the last link of the last series, I should come up with the funniest gag in the history of Games Master, but uh, I can't. Oh, this was weird to watch. Yeah, particularly now with the reboot as well. And you get that from him when we did the loading bar interview with him for the launch of the book. You know, he had that moment, like right at the end, we were wrapping things up. And then he said, oh, no one asked me about the reboot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> specifically because, Mr. Diamond, if you ever hear this, you said you didn't want to talk about the reboot. And we honored that, git. And then he was just like, oh, no one asked me about the reboot. So here's what I think of the reboot, and then sort of went on that diatribe about it. And he, you know, he talked about this on on Rick Henderson's podcast as well. It's it's clearly a show that means so much to him. So I think you could see how much it means to him when he talks about the reboot now. But here, like I re- he addresses the fact that a lot of people criticise this show, the fact that it's self indulgence. It is the fact that it's flippant, definitely, and sometimes in bad taste. Oh, more often than we'd ever give it credit. But to the viewers, it meant something. The fact that we have done 178 episodes shows that it still does mean something. And I got you know emotional watching this now, just as I did when we had that loading bar chat with him. And he was talking about you know kids that were bullied in school, but they always had Games Master to go home and watch on a on Tuesday or a Thursday. I was one of those kids. I was one of those kids. I think we even said that at the time. We said that in the first interview with him, or rather I said it, and he's like, yeah, I can see why. I'm like, oh, you... <laughs> I mean, one, you get, but also, well played. This show really does mean something to Dominic. And I think that there will always be a bit of him that regrets that he wasn't the person to bring this show back, that he does not own Games Master as an entity. 
maybe he'll never say it out loud, but that's the impression that I get. And same. And maybe we would still be here doing this podcast, but we wouldn't just be talking about seven seasons and a three-episode reboot. Maybe we'd be talking about seven seasons, then another three seasons in the mid to late 2000s, then maybe another reboot. Maybe we'd be talking about that original run and then what the show was today. Maybe Dominic wouldn't be in Canada. There, There is a different timeline. Maybe he'd be sat here with us now. I mean, I wish he was. Yeah. I almost messaged him. I almost dropped him a DM on the train here today because I just, I just... I didn't have anything to say, but also I just wanted to say we got there. You yeah. know, we've reached the end of Games Master as far as, as Dominic is concerned. And I understand why he's so proud of it. I I have my own misgivings about Series 7. They will definitely wait for the wrap-up episode. And I certainly have my own misgivings about this episode because I feel it could have been so much more. And we already know via the all history, part of the reason why it wasn't is no time. But it was a hell of a run. Certainly was. I mean, the fact it survived the Dexter Fletcher year is is something. The fact that that didn't capsize, that's not Dexter's fault, but there were a lot of things batting against it. And Dom came back with Series 4. And I don't know that he righted the ship, but he certainly changed its direction and maintained a steady course. I don't know how much praise Jack will get for this, uh, or whether Jack is to sort of, you know, be praised for this in in its entirety, but... I'm glad that you and I are are doing the show and we've reached this point in a timeline where Dom likes the show again. Because there was a period of time where Dominic Diamond did not like this show and was sick and tired of being asked about Games Master and was sick and... Because you would be, because you've spent the last 20 years just being asked, will it come back? What was your favourite challenge? Who was the best celebrity? And doing the same interview questions. You know, he left the country, but we're still getting some of those questions. But he's now in a period of his life again where he's quite self-reflective of the show and what it meant to people. And, you know, the chat with the, that we had with him at Loading Bar dis, it echoes a lot of what's said here in his final speech about the show. And I'm glad that we were able to do this show and get to this point with him also in that place again. Because it'd be a very different experience if you and I were sat here talking about the final episode and be like, but Dominic fucking hates this show now. And he will like bury it left, right and center whenever he gets a chance. It would have made the interviews with him really <laughs> awkward. But Dominic does have his final speech. And he does, as part of that, give a lot of thanks to the people that have come and gone along the years. I kind of feel we should do that as well because there are a lot of people to thank. And to start with my partner, Soul, because without Soul, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. That's, that's as much as there is to it. They I did, would have they, just. They, they did push you into it. <laughs> yeah, no, they didn't push me into it. They did kind of point out, no, of course you should do this. And I'm like, yes, I should. And I'm glad I did. I'd also like to thank your partner. There's a, there, <laughs> there, is, there is patience and understanding on both sides of this equation <laughs> of us disappearing for hours at a time to, to, to speak into a microphone about knob gags and joysticks. Oh, yeah. And, and the same. I, I mean, yeah, and, and likewise, you know, there have been times where we have had records booked in that I've had to cancel at the last minute for various different reasons. And you've been very understanding of that, but your partner has also been very understanding of that as well because you had to rearrange plans in order to do our record. And then I'd be like, oops, it turns out my train's cancelled. I can't make it now. I guess we should also thank your employer redacted because without that studio, 
recording would have been a very different beast off the bat. They gave us a stable, nice, sensible recording environment to work in. And I find it ironic that we started recording in one of the best possible places. And we're ending this journey <laughs> outside in a pub where I already know I'm going to have to work to eliminate wind noise. <laughs> this episode is not going to be the crispiest, tippiest, toppiest episode, but it is real. I mentioned him earlier, but I also wanted to shout out Seb. He, he is no longer with us, and, and that still bums me out, and that still makes me a bit sad. I was such a fan of his work, and I was a fan of Cinematic Universe, and I just shot him a message. Like, we were, we, we wanted to do a show together. I was going to go on Cinematic Universe. Funny, I've to talk about the Super Mario Brothers movie, because <laughs> he also, like, it was meant to be me, him, and Dave Bulmer talking about the movie. But we never got around to it, and, I'll, you know, I'll never get to do that. But he took the time to listen to the pilot and provide feedback for it. He didn't have to. But he did, because that was the dude that he was. And some of the feedback he got was you know, very valuable. And it has stuck with me all the way up until the end of this. So, yeah, I want to thank Seb for that. I mean, of people that have contributed to the show, and I apologise, I'm going to forget someone. Chris, who's done at least eight versions of our theme at this point, including some minor redos, re-edits. He did some extra little musical stings for UCP Live 2. Uh, if you are a podcaster and you need a new theme, you want to move away from the library music, his details are in the show notes. I, you know, I can't recommend him enough. Yeah. He has been great. He has managed to help us have a different identity for every series. He's worked with me. I've kind of thrown rough edits back and forwards, and it's just been it's been an absolute joy to to produce. And I guess next is the guest, because, man, we've had a lot. Yeah. It's not just Dominic, you know, that we've name-dropped a few times uh, along the way. Oh, Dominic Diamond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that yeah. guy. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, don't yeah. know, I don't know if I mentioned this, but we, he's been on the show a handful of times. But, you know, Rick Henderson, early doors, when this show started, Rick was one of the first people to reach out to us to be like, hey, look, if you want to know anything, let me know. If you want me to come on the show, let me know. Here's some bits and bobs. Here's what I did. Here's what I did afterwards. He was very open. The first episode I think he came on was the Games World episodes. Yeah. Because we wanted to have him on to talk about, because he was very involved with Games World. But he was very, very forthcoming with information for us, very generous with his time to, you know, about working on Games Master. And yeah, I'm very thankful for Rick Henderson. Still gets in touch with us to this day, still interacts with us on, on social media and stuff. Occasionally pops up in the Discord. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, he joined our Discord. And he was like the first member of the crew. And I remember when he reached out to us very early on in the podcast run, it might have even been like episode one or two when we heard from Rick Henderson. And I was like, oh my God, someone from the show is li either listening or is at least aware of us. I mean, speaking of early doors, uh, big thanks to Paul Gannon. He was our first challenger. He helped us wrap up Series 1. And I'm not going to lie, going back to Series 1, I was just like, we did it. We talked to a challenger. If nothing else, we can say we talked to a challenger and in no way to diminish what he gave to us because that was a great chat. That was It, it actually helped me because I was like, cool, this works. We can talk to challengers. We can find ways to tell their stories. We can find interesting things to say. And that led on to more challengers. That led on to more guests. That led on to Master Daniel Pessina for Mortal Kombat. It led on to talking to reviewers. We talked to Mr. Biffo. Doug Johns. Doug Johns. We had Doug Johns on, who was a, you know, a contestant on the show. Air quotes, a contestant on the show, because he was. But he was also a researcher for the show. And I thought he was living in Australia. And I spoke to him at something like... 11 p.m. at night and I called him on the phone and recorded it on my phone. I think I recorded like the, the like I, I, I used a very primitive uh, app to record a phone conversation, which is why it's not the best audio that we've ever had on the show. 
but it was he was very cool to just sit there and talk with us about it. And we talked about regrets right at the beginning. I wish we'd been ballsier earlier on. I wish we'd just kind of like, you know, not thrown our weight around because we didn't have any weight to throw around, but I wish we'd just reached out to more people. A few people have slipped through the nets. A few people like kind of asked us for metrics information and then went very quiet when we gave it. You know who you are, publicist. (laughs) But then we fast forward and we get to the Games Master reboot and we talked to the showrunner, we talked to the producer, we talked to a number of the hosts, we talked to some of the guests and that was a real highlight for me because whatever your feelings are on the reboot, from my point of view, we got to talk to people from an active production whilst it was going on. And also, weirdly, whilst not under any single NDA, they yeah. really missed something with us there, and I'm very grateful for it. Being invited down to that set was mad. Which I, I spoke about that in a second, but like every episode of Series 8 or the reboot, whatever you want to call it, has a guest on it. We are, not only is it just like Keen's interview that we have at the start, Episode 1 has a guest. Episode 2 has like two guests. Episode 3 Our wrap-up has a guest. Like it was people really wanted to chat with us. And that, that's a key point, part of that. It's not just that we asked. There were people who wanted to do it, and there were people who really wanted that show to work and you know, wanted to speak with us about it and show off their passion for it. And that includes them becoming friends with a contestant from Series 4 who returned in Series 8 and you know, would have been at UCP Live 2, if he could have been, in Chrissy Two Sticks, One Floppy. And, and speaking of asking... I think we should also bring up Mike from Outside Xbox. We've had a few co-hosts. We haven't done many of those episodes because we talk a lot. You add a third person, it increases the time even more. There's a long episode. Yeah, we've had Dave Bolmer, we've had Matthew. But then Mike from Outside Xbox got in touch, or rather we got, I got in touch with him and it was about magazines. It was about the Games Master magazines. Just chatting back and forth. And he was the one that actually said, oh, if you ever want me on. And I was just like, yes. <laughs> you know. I watch your stuff all the time. You're an incredibly funny and educated guy. You've got a background in games journalism as well. And that was that was an amazing episode. That was so much fun. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking, you didn't mention me. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but, That's all I can but, say is but sorry. But you are, you are thought of. Maybe in our grand wrap-up episode, we'll see if we can compile a complete list of everyone that's contributed to yeah. the show. Because they deserve it. We put a lot into this podcast. I would never understate how much we put into this podcast. Hours, early mornings, late nights. But we haven't done it alone. No, we have not. We can say that we completed the gamut as well. We had a challenger. We had a host. We had a commentator. We even had a a, a goblin of sorts. We had an assistant. We basically into a, a consultation zone. Uh, entered and we had a feature person on there as well because we had you know the the number two sonic 2 speedrunner <laughs> when the game was released my good friend Mensky, yeah exactly we basically got every single person i think the only one we didn't get was a celebrity i think master daniel Pacina kind oh, of counts absolutely right we did have a celebrity challenge yeah. we had Pacina. you yeah even though technically right. johnny cage was the celebrity it was Danny. So we literally did get everyone. We we, we, got the, it. we we grand slam championed it. The only thing we didn't get was a games master, and that's because one was dead, and the other is yeah, a Trevor McDonald. Yes, yeah, a Trevor McDonald. <laughs> Although with our second live episode, Dominic became the games master. So technically, we whiffed it, but we got it. We got there in the end, yeah. But and in the cheapest of cheap pops, I guess the people that we would like to thank most of all 
are you, the people that have got us in your ears right now? Even if we'd had no listeners at all, we'd have still probably done this entire run. But I don't think we'd have tried quite as hard. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. Like, if we'd have missed an episode, it wouldn't have been the biggest deal in the world. But we've got some very generous people that have, you know, donated to this show to see us through to the end. And we we never wanted to, to let them down. Even though I, I think on occasions we have sometimes dropped the ball with that. But they've always stuck with us because they are awesome. Like, our Undercontrol Nation is an incredible group of people that I never thought we'd end up having off the back of launching this podcast. I remember, I think I said to you when we first started this, oh, if we got 100 downloads for the first episode, I'd be over the moon and thrilled. Like, I'd be beyond thrilled we got that. And we did. And then some. And then some. And now, like, it's, you know, there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of downloads for this. It's not massive. Like, you know, when you hear figures that Cinematic Universe or some of the kind of the podcast get or Talking Simpsons get, we're nowhere near those, those ranges. But I'm still, like super proud of the you know the, the the numbers that we do get and that's because you listening to this show contribute to that we still regularly make it into the top 20 uk video game based podcast itunes chart yeah i find that mind-blowing because there are thousands of podcasts out there and you have chosen to listen to this one and you mentioned the patreons and you mentioned the under console nation and the discord i'm on a whole bunch of discords and i've signed up to a whole bunch of patreons some of which are smaller and more focused than ours, but also which turn nasty or sour. I don't think we are for every single Games Master fan out there. In fact, I know we're not. There are some Games Master fans out there that do not want the world to have moved on from 1997. And it has, and so have we. But I am very, very appreciative of the audience we have found, some of whom grew up with Games Master some of whom just found us along the way. Some people who listened to the show weren't born when Games Master was on the air. Some of whom, like, not even don't live in this country, but don't even live in kind of the Western world. Yeah. Like, we've got at least one active Discord member, Nut, who I still don't fully understand how he found us, other than I think a YouTube comment, but I love that he did. And I, I love every single member of our listenership of our under console nation because every week we drop an episode they're there with comments and feedback yeah every day there'll be messages on the discord of people saying good morning which is so lovely it is even it, even if i don't comment which, which sometimes i don't i just i'll always check it yeah i'll always check there to see and it, it's it's those names and they, they do give me those positive vibes in the in, you know every single morning they've built us up and they've built each other up. And I'll tell you what's lovely for that as well is that, you know, when we've done our two live shows, seeing them all together and seeing these people that, you know, might not have met without this and having a great time and going out to Nando's for, for lunch together and stuff and taking those big selfies while you and I are stressing out over Satin Bomberman. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let, 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 let's be honest. I was stressing out over Saturn Bomberman. You were pacing like an expectant father, which, to be fair, you'd had a dress rehearsal for. So, like, I'll always be very lucky. We've, we've had a lot of luck over the years with this show. Yeah. Boy, howdy have we. You know, we got invited to the set of Series 8 and just got to hang out 
like with the production a little bit and in catering in catering even though we sat there be like i don't think we should be here but we were supposed to be there i still maintain one of these days they're going to find us out yep though and then they yeah, we kept being referred to as like oh these are the podcast guys <laughs> like we're the only podcast i mean we are or were the only games master podcast now we hold the title of the first games master exactly, podcast yeah, and we will always be that first not only were we there to help launch the kickstarter for the the oral history we're in it you know you and i are part of games master history in a way we i still can't fathom this thanked in the credits of the reboots i know we kind of move past the thanks but rom jack kian yeah they made us part of games master as a present tense rather than past just i never thought would happen when when i put that tweet out in september of 2019 and this is, a, this is a sort of podcast I've wanted to do for a while. This has been on my bucket list for a, a little while because I love podcasts that, you know, and it, that stems from me falling in love with the Attitude Era podcast way back when of just having a project that has a start and it has an end and you do it episode by episode. And I love Talking Simpsons and I love Sonic the Comic, the podcast. And I was like, what would my version of that be? And out of the blue, I thought of Games Master because I saw a tweet about it. And I was like, wouldn't it be really fun if there was a Games Master podcast, an episode-by-episode Games Master podcast? And I put that tweet out there, and I'm forever thankful, Ash, that you saw that and and responded to it in the in the way that you did, because... On the second run. Because <laughs> <laughs> without that reply, I, I wouldn't have been able to tick this off my bucket list. No, you'd have to have gone with your third choice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, thank you for asking me i'm stuck for words well yeah. which is is kind of ironic because to drag it kicking and screaming back to the episode we're talking about dominic thinks this he should come up with the funniest joke in games master history and he can't he can't credits play over silence yeah it just fades to black and the names roll and there's a, there's a few names that i'm really glad that got thanked in there i love the dexter's named in there because it is everyone everyone who's involved in the show gets a thank you. Dave gets the thank you. You know, he gets to be part of the credits. Dexter Fletcher in 1998, when he was not a popular person amongst, you know, Games Master lore, is thanked in this credit for his contributions. Dominic now, I would fully expect him to do that. But Dominic of 1998, I would not have expected him to do that. But he is very reverential of this show and he's like he is part of its legacy he's part of its history and i'm really pleased to see that he does get thanked or someone else did the credits <laughs> there's also that chance as well devil's advocate here yeah but you know harry hewland gets yes thanked, get, is in the credits literally the first ever games master contestant yeah and all the assistants sarah whisker richard bayman mark lyle helena tepper Tanya, Teresa, Leanne, they all get thanked in the credits. They're all part of this rich tapestry of this wacky, weird little show. And we get to the end of these credits and we get one last stinger. And it's a weird one because it's Patrick Moore leaving the studio. And the weird thing is in my head, I always remember this of just Patrick Moore leaving the studio. And I remember him saying goodbye and then getting into a taxi. He doesn't. He leaves the studio he opens a taxi door and he turns around and just kind of shrugs. <laughs> just kind of like, <laughs> back to the sky at night. But he does wave as the cab pulls away. It's lovely that, you know, the final image of Games Master is the Games Master himself. 
Because he was the first person we saw, technically, because, of course, the Games Master is in those title credits. Yeah. In, in the same way the Underconsultation is named after the Consultation Zone, Games Master as a show is named after him and that character. And I, I agree with something that Dominic said in one of our interviews, where he thinks it's unfair that Games Master is not thought of one of the classic 90s TV characters. And maybe that's because of his diminishing role in later series. You know, had they kept the consultation zone, maybe he would be. But he isn't held up in the same way that Mr. Chips is or Mr. Blobby is or anything like that. Games Master isn't. And I think that is unfair. Definitely. So actually, I guess that brings us to the end. I mean, it's not the end of this, this podcast. We've still got, you know, we're going to Surprise! Be- <laughs> Last episode, see ya, fuckers! Like, we've, we've got a few episodes planned, um, and then we are doing a revisit of Series 8, which we had promised that we would do. So it's, it's not like the final episode, but it does feel like the final episode in a way, which is very odd. It's the final first run episode, because whether yeah. we decide to look at Series 1 again in some detail or do some other revisits of overviews of other series, this is the first run for us. This yeah. is our impressions of every single episode in that original run of Games Master. And I think both of us always tried to avoid looking too far into the future, which is why some things did catch us by surprise. But I still maintain that was the right way to do it because it would have been a much less interesting journey if I would have gone, ah, well, this is referred to again in seven episodes' time. Yeah, like when we had Martin in Series 1, you know, we didn't say uh, he'll be back to do Virtual Cop and Virtual Cop 2 and be a commentator in Series 7. It was just like, no, he did this challenge and he fucked it up because it was a shit game and a rubbish challenge. But looking at this episode itself, it's a fun little episode to look back on. It's a shame that it includes so much of Series 5. But if I think of it in context, that was two, three years ago. Like if I was watching it in real time. So perhaps I wouldn't be looking at it and going, oh, well, we saw this a year ago. Yeah. And it is a nice little summary of everything that Games Master was and is. And there are things I would have done differently, or I'd have liked to have seen done differently. I would have liked to have seen more from the co-commentators. Maybe some little bits and pieces with some of the other assistants. Maybe a little bit more from the Games Master himself. But it is, for the time being, a definitive full stop. And it is still... 25 years later still a very emotional thing to watch an end of an era yeah it's, it's emotional on two levels uh, i think for me anyway because it's it's emotional that it's the end of the series but it's emotional because it's the end of our journey that we started you know back in 2019 i'm glad this is what they did for the final episode i think it would have been weird if i remember you and i talking about this at the end of series one where we said it doesn't have that end of school vibe to it It doesn't have that end of series vibe it's just three challenges you know the final challenge is on decap attack of all things you know it's it's, it's odd um but series two sort of does because it has that mortal combat challenge mm. in it and series three does because it has the end of the team championships but i'm glad that series seven didn't just end on a regular challenge episode you know maybe if it was some big grand challenge but they did that with tekken three and the, you know, the world tournament thing. I'm glad this is the final episode and they did it as a clip show, as a reverential thing of just, this is what this show has meant to us and we hope that this is what this show has meant to you and thank you for being part of that journey. And I think you know that, that silence credit role of the end with every single name that's been involved in the show is, is testament to that. If previous seasons have had end of school vibes, like summer holiday starting vibes... This is A-level results day because school's over 
and you may see some of your friends again at university, but this is the end of a large part of the formative years of your life. And in the time period, the end of Games Master came at my life changing quite drastically. You were also going through changes, even though there's years differing to us, even though there's like a good handful of years difference between us, that does mean that you would have been kind of like rocketing through puberty and onwards towards 16. Yeah, gaming changes completely for me after this point of time. You know, there was a period of my gaming history before Games Master, there's a period of my history after Games Master. We discussed this before. There's part of me that's gutted that it's, this is the end because we're about to get into a really big golden era of some gaming challenges that we could have had. But also at the same time, it felt like, you know, look how far we've come from Mario Brothers 3 to Tekken 3 in a space of, what, five, six years? Obviously, we've seen it in a concentrated space of time. But even looking at it in real time, it's astounding how gaming went from being this niche thing to being mainstream, to being nightclubs, to being television campaigns, to being magazine adverts, to being front page news for better or for worse. And yeah, it's sad that Games Master wasn't around for what came next. And we are going to cover that. So it's like a bit of, you know, the underconsolation will have heard this already. Um, but our, the, the next few episodes that we're going to be doing, well, after the Series 7 wrap-up, of course, is looking at what gaming TV became after this. So we're going to look at Dominic's next venture, When Games Attack. But we're also going to be looking at Channel 4's other attempts that they had to kind of capture some of the Games Master magic with bits and thumb bandits. I'm looking forward to that because it's something new but I'm not sh fully sure how I'm going to feel about it until we get there. Yeah. I suppose in a way we can't... I, I, I don't think I can score this episode. I... Yeah, I can't. No. Not only can I not, I don't want to. No. Because if we score this episode, it's over. Yeah. I, I... I can't score this episode. I just can't. Tell you what. Shall I get the drinks in and we'll play some video games? Yeah, there's a good... Do you know what we should do? Tip the first challenge of Games Master. Mario Brothers 3 it is. Yeah, see that. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.